Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was extremely clear. That was dramatic drums, and then the powerful, not meteors, of the crystals shattering through the atmosphere uh, that uh, that creates the eye, right? Is that is, is that the noise that I just heard? That, that absolutely is. 
I've, you you nailed it so well. I'm getting choked up or choked up on the sandwich I had for, before recording. Yes, um, absolutely one of my favorite parts of this episode. The wow across the sky. It was really, really powerfully, uh, powerful visually and just uh, sound wise. So thank you for recreating that power. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw and the person making the beautiful noises is Ken Knapsack. We are very happy to be here to dive into the sixth episode of Andor. It is entitled The Eye, uh, written by Dan Gilroy, directed by Susanna White. Uh, this is the third sixth chapter of the show but kind of the third chapter of this arc which appears to be the way we're doing this is uh three episode arcs and this was certainly a big old climax in lots of ways uh a climax that's still a climax with an ellipsis <laughs> still mm-hmm. a lot more story to be told this is about 45 minutes of new story once you strip away all the credits and stuff uh we always like to share our experience of watching this show ken did you do your normal and stay up and until midnight and uh, any I- special rituals or events no, I did. It was another busy day, aren't they all? And I finally slowed down and I did something I hadn't done before. I, at about 11.15, I put on the previous week's episode of Andor Ooh. and kind of watched it straight up to about 11.59, refreshed the drink, and then started the new episode. And that worked out just nicely. And which is an interesting comment on, I think this show is going to be really rewarding when you sit down and binge it all, which is a bigger discussion. But uh, I think it, it was effective. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really great. Uh, yeah, I was kind of running running late in, in life, actually still trying to get things done at about 1145. Uh, and, right. and so is my wife. And I just really had that moment of like, I need to get ready for Andor, like emotionally. <laughs> yes. uh, so my wife is still uh, doing things. And uh, I normally kind of just take a a picture of my whiskey and my Andor action figure. And I just, I didn't even do that. I set up my Andor action figure that watches the show with me. And I, I just stared at Andor for a little while. I looked into his little plastic eyes and it, <laughs> it kind of like slowed down and got in the rhythm and thought about the things that I was excited to see in this episode and the things that were possible and the, the horrible things that I were afraid uh, that might happen, which then did. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, horrible, but beautiful and moving. Uh, so that was really great. And then, like, like I said, my, my wife, uh, she would love to stay up and, and watch at midnight, but, you know, she has to go to work early in the morning. Um, and normally she's like, I, I got to get everything uh, done and, and she'll, she'll just be sleeping by midnight. Um, but like I said, she was still having to get things done, which is totally fine. Great. Um, but I kind of forgot that she was still moving around and doing things in a relatively mm-hmm. small apartment. And at like one high stake moment, in the show like a door opened and i yelped (laughs) (laughs) and uh, jumped a little from the couch because the tension uh was was so high like no no that's that's just my wife uh, doing her duolingo probably (laughs) i'm not gonna die everything is okay so that was a fun experience to truly feel the tension of andor right in my own home Uh, 360 degrees uh, 360 degrees 3d 4d tension Exactly. Yeah. 4D tension in the fourth dimension of tension. Uh, Let's get into the actual episode then. What was your overall reaction? Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it? How much of it was what you expected versus being surprised? Uh, Tell me about Um, your thoughts. You know, it's funny. Uh, It was almost beat for beat what I expected. And I'm not saying that like I knew it was coming. I just was like, yeah, this is this is the the heist part of the spy thriller series that we were uh, told we were going to get, even though I think that's changed from the initial days of when we heard that. And and, uh, this is Stephen Schiff and everyone was more involved. 
But this kind of was like, yeah, this is this is as advertised. Uh, and you mentioned tension, four degrees, uh, four dimensions of tension, I should say. Uh, that's tension just all through this episode. And I loved, especially on a rewatch, just checking the little markers that they put down to just explode that tension up, just crank it up. Oh, we got, they're hiding in a little cave and here comes some Imperial soldiers. Oh, does that, does that guy recognize they're not part of the team? Does the Commandant recognize? And just, just, they played on that so well. Plus, uh, you know, building up the last couple episodes, I thought it was uh, really effective and really fun and, and it did what it uh, wanted to do and set out to do and it, it worked all well for me. No, it was really great. The massive tension of how long is this Imperial going to casually chat while urinating? It <laughs> yes. is truly uh, raised the tension. Uh, no, I, I felt the same way. I, I really wanted it to be emotionally and physically exposed, explosive. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. that is the, the value of the the tension. And I thought this episode was uh, what I really hoped for, which was a payoff of the emotional tension and a payoff of the emotional investment uh everything from the lost lives of the various characters that are more meaningful because we spent more time with them mm. to the payoff that i wasn't expecting of um the audience uh, believing skeen's lies like that was such a yeah. great way to make you emotionally invested in the show right it's it's one thing to say like okay we we've, we've met these rebels they're not famous they don't go on to fight in the battle of endor so yeah. their lives are, are up to be lost and we care about them great um but like this great sort of um trick of like you and i and on our podcast and many other fans discussed Skeen's backstory and what Mm. it means this brother in that episode last week that was so focused on why are you in the rebellion and to spend a week believing a lie is Mm -hmm. this great payoff of emotional investment because like i walked around feeling bad for an imaginary person's imaginary brother's tragedy for a week. And then the bleeper just gut punched me, you know? So that emotional payoff uh, was, is the kind of thing that I'm hoping for uh, to reward us for spending time on a lot of great and amazing scenes that are about building character, uh, but not yet characters making choices and I, yeah. I really enjoyed the payoff of lots of characters making choices and consequences of choices in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, I want to discuss that a little bit, even before we get into the themes. Yeah. I'm with you too. And I, when I say this episode did exactly what maybe I thought, that, that's not something I thought that was going to happen. I'm with you too. Even, even the viewing right before this episode at my 1115 viewing, um, I love that skiing confession or half apology, right? That's, it's mm-hmm. a great moment and I'm all in on it. I'm all in on it to the point, Joseph, that there's a part of me that like a 5% part of my brain that when he says, I have no brother uh, to, to Andor, I'm thinking, well, his brother died. <laughs> the story's true. He just says, said, I have no brother anymore. So that, that's how much I want to believe Skeen still. Yeah. No, I want to, but I don't. I at don't. All. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> I it, don't. it really does. I, I did pop back to watch a couple of other um, beats from previous episodes and like yeah. his theory from last week about, you know, why would somebody bring a treasure to a robbery? You know, it's mm-hmm. so great mm-hmm. to re-see that as not what Nemec is feeling, which is the desire to believe that Cassian is a true believer. But instead, Skeen is like, oh, are you as, <laughs> as selfish and self-centered and, uh, you know, truly mercenary as me? You better not yeah. be. It's yeah. great to see that recontextualize and, and make sense. So great, yeah. great payoff. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I think the other thing that has been consistent throughout Andor, which I thought was uh, really present in this episode, and, and, it, and it feels like a lot of people are responding to, is taking these ideas that have been in Star Wars for a long time of, you know, mm. why do we fight? Is it worth the risk of the fight? Uh, what is going to be lost when we fight? And really diving deep and making people feel it, right? Mm-hmm. We There's countless Star Wars stories in, in every medium about people being uh, trapped in the machinery of the Empire, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and about risking their lives. But it's, it's the time spent in even like the sound effects of the blaster fire, to my ear, is literally lower pitch than most Star Wars. Yeah. You know, yes. literally a little more uh, gritty sound effect than <laughs> fun laser gun. And literally more percussive, like just actually shakes your speakers a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I feel like what continues to be really fascinating about Andor is really diving deep into existing and essential Star Wars ideas, but presenting them in this way that is really trying to make you rattle your soul, right? Like Mm -hmm. the the cost of the Battle of Endor, you know, we feel it when the Ewok dies. It's it's incredibly sad. It's an incredibly sad thing to, to show kids, but we kind of note it to know that that's a part of it, and then we move on so we're not too weighted right. down. And all of Andor is like, what if we had five episodes about that Ewok time? <laughs> the, the, the death of Nanta Chronicles Part 5. Yes. Um, I, I really like what you're saying, and I think it's worth stopping off here on the highway and discussing it. it, it it's the sh- this show, uh, I keep trying to analyze with even friends of mine off air via text or, or, or in-person conversations about why some people are reacting to this show and it's generally very positive. I've had a couple people saying, hey, it's not for me in my life. Um, and, I, and I actually really like their, their reasons why I actually get it. Um, and, and we can talk about that maybe when the series all wraps up. But it, there, there's it's so familiar and comforting territory in terms of the big themes. We have seen this all before and we will see it again in Star Wars. But the package, the way it's presented is definitely different. It's definitely played a little different. Uh, and I think that's helping to maybe strike chords in people that mm-hmm. normally wouldn't hear those chords. Uh, and it's effective. Even, uh, you know, the show's played so real that even some of the big deaths are quick, real, and unceremonious, right? Like, mm-hmm. no final stand for Gorn or Terramin. No, like, you know, I'll cover you and take the bullets like a Boromir or something. Like, it, they're, they're dead. Because that's kind of what happens. And that's played yeah. so real. It highlights... The, the loss and the themes that are uh, going on here. Yeah, the violence and the in the mm-hmm. chaos. And, you know, I think it's everywhere in Star Wars, this thing that we were feeling so much throughout the episode uh, of the contrast between the, you know, rigid um, mechanism of the Empire, mm-hmm. how much people are trapped in it. I feel like that's the whole motivating idea of Solo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's there in so many animated shows in, in Rebels and Clone Wars where you can see kind of episode after episode where uh, the Empire is defiling uh, a natural organic culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just everything that's going on in this episode. But again, you we really slow down and we really get to feel it with the insults in the disgust at the Donnie people's culture. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, it's like, I think for me, when I'm watching this, a a part of me is like, man, if people are responding to these ideas, I mean, like, I I just encourage people to to find them the other places that they're there Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. Like if you're enjoying the, the real political realism, go watch some of the Padme political episodes of Clone Wars, because that's what's going on there. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're enjoying 
the really gritty, brutal, what is the true cost of war? Um, is it is it right that the, the rebels have to take risks and take lives? Read Rebel Rising, Black Spire Outpost, uh, Lords of the Sith, all of Alphabet Squadron. You know, a lot of these ideas are present in those novels, in this mood, too, because novels can be more expansive. Yeah, yeah, right there with you. Uh, there, there could be an accompanying list, like a, a, a sub a chart here on our Google Sheet. Uh, uh, is that a thing, a sub chart on Google Sheets? I don't know. I don't work <laughs> I no them idea. well. I don't know. But you know what I mean? We're a flow, nice flow chart of just uh, where to connect with this elsewhere. And it's often found in, in places that you wouldn't um, think, including Ewoks fighting the Empire and the death of uh, Nanta and the sacrifice of the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I agree, and it's it's really fun to see see these ideas uh, developed in such a, a visceral way. Um, mm-hmm. My final overall thought that I wanted to be sure to share is that I feel the subtitle of the entire Andor show should be "Bad Husbands and Boyfriends." <laughs> it's yes. really getting to be a theme. Uh, yes. Understand, it's debatable uh, who is uh, who, who makes a bad <laughs> partner, but arguably Tim gives into his fear, his jealousy. Mm-hmm. He, he, he rats out uh, Cassian and, and brings horrific pain uh, to Ferex and himself dies. Uh, mm-hmm. Mothma's husband, Perrin, uh, obviously uh, many of us feel is not winning any awards for Spouse of the Year. Uh, <laughs> and then we have this great episode where we'll talk more about, but the uh, Commandant, uh, J-Hold Bihaz, in, in order to make everything that happens with him more visceral, we get to see who he is, which is mm-hmm. a lousy husband and father. <laughs> Horrible. And uh, his wife, I sorry, I did not write the the character list Rabota, down yet. Rabota, I believe. Rabota, thank you. Uh, I love what he's like. We all have to be on our best behavior. She's like, I'd love to see that. Um, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, that poor woman. Yeah. She had some of the best comedy moments, and they came from great pain. Yep, almost all the comedy moments are like that. Did make me laugh, but uh, laughing <laughs> through the tears, kind of yeah. moments. Uh, All right, Uh, let's get into the big themes, because once we're done discussing the big themes, we can talk about Dr. Quadpaw. The great burst of a bizarre Star Wars fantasy in this very grounded uh, episode of of Andor. Uh, So... Uh, did you have Dr. Quadpaw thoughts that you need to share before I, I, we move on? We'll get there. He's great. I love uh, him. And I forgot about him in the trailer and he popped up. I, exactly what you're describing. This show is played so real, even though it's Star Wars. And even though we've seen some uh, crazy ca- creatures already, I, I literally went like, wait, what is that? Oh, wait. Yeah, we are in Star Wars. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm in love with Dr. Quadpaw. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, later. But for now, we're going to dive into the big themes, the ideas at stake in this episode of Andor, but also I would say probably this arc and uh, continuing to look at how the overall uh, ideas and themes of uh, Andor are being developed. So, Ken, where did you go first? I, I, so if last week was, you know, why, the big why of rebelling and why you're in the rebellion and everyone has their own rebellion, that kind of theme, right? This is a continuation of it. And I, now I think about it, a lot of it is based on skiing <laughs> or you can have a reason why, but it is truly about your conviction and your commitment. And I went to that, especially the stuff in the beginning with Nemec, who I believe now we know his name is Karis Nemec, I think. Some of the, and we got Arvel Skeen. Uh, Arvel great Skeen, yeah. Yeah. Um, this great conversation, I really, I watched it a few times to see the opening scene where he talks about his, his faith and, and why that is not carrying him through and just the conversations about that and saying to Ander, you have nothing, you slept like a stone. Uh, and all that leads to, uh, 
what I think will eventually be the revelation of, uh, you know, what are rebellions built on? Oh, they're built on hope. And I think Nemec's got some thoughts on that in that little book there. Uh, Cause he does say to Andor in the beginning there. So you think it's hopeless, do you? And it's really truly all about conviction and commitment to the cause, but also why you're there. So you can be there, but you still got to commit once you're there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's definitely the, the area of of the theme that I was really interested in. I think the episode mm-hmm. is really well constructed to start you off clearly with that conversation uh, between uh, Nemec and Cassian and to continue this idea of why is Cassian in this and, yeah. you know, what is the best way to approach something like this? And for me, that was kind of tied into this whole big theme throughout the episode of is the rebellion worth the cost? Mm-hmm. And I thought there was a lot of examination of the personal cost to like you and your immediate life and and your loved one's immediate life. But then in that conversation, Nemec also kind of centers the overall moral cost of death. Like in order for us to uh, rebel against the empire, uh, people are going to die and we are going to have to make choices that we don't want to, which is of course, looms large in in casting the story but i think it's really great that it's being you know developed uh right here in mm-hmm. in the early parts of his journey yeah of yeah. the big picture moral cost um but i'd love to dive into to what you were talking about of kind of uh cassian's choice the personal cost of rebellion mm-hmm. because i think you know what's been developed is that cassian is torn between these notions of self-survival keep your head down and take care of yourself and your own Mm. and commitment to the cause and you can see these sparks where he is he understands exactly what the empire is he understands it very well he knows that everyone in the Mm -hmm. galaxy or not everyone but you know some rich people are okay but most people in the galaxy are suffering he does care about more than himself he's not just selfish right he cares about uh, marva and b2 emo (laughs) and the community on ferrix and you know he's looking that we started with him looking for his sister taking a great Mm -hmm. risk because he's looking for his sister so he's not a total just um i'm out for number one uh but skeen is right correct so this episode is to me is a little bit of uh, not quite angel and devil because it's a little bit more complicated than that, but uh, mm-hmm. Cassian's got anemic and a skein <laughs> on either <laughs> shoulder, right? Yes. And, and it, we see both of their perspectives and they, I think, are putting great tension on what Cassian's ultimate choice needs to be. And I think he makes an explicit choice in this episode because yeah. I think mm-hmm. he, he starts at this point where you know, uh, Nemec uh, confronts him about that need for commitment to the cause, right? You quoted the great line of, uh, like, uh, Nemec being so motivated by philosophy uh, uh, that, you know, I thought my philosophy, my belief would would mm-hmm. uh, give me comfort, and it isn't. You have nothing. You sleep like a stone. And he's writing a mercenary essay because he's wrestling with, how could how could someone like Cassian do this? Mm-hmm. Is it even morally okay for the, the rebels to use mercenaries? Is it okay to be selfish when we're fighting for this great cause Mm -hmm. and i think that absolutely does rattle cassian and you know he's already been rattled by by luthan saying you know be a part of something bigger right yeah and then i think cassian goes through all of this he is moved by uh, you know nemic saving him uh nemic nemic's uh contributions Mm -hmm. the loss uh, of nemic uh but then has 
every doubt he's had about the rebellion confirmed mm-hmm. by Skeen being a mm-hmm. selfish, lying mercenary. Yeah. Oh, I'm a rebel. It's just me against everyone else. Mm-hmm. I feel like that line that Skeen says to Cassian is a confirmation of every fear that Cassian has about getting involved in something bigger because mm-hmm. how many people are just going to be out for themselves? Um, yeah. And, and uh, sorry, I have one, one more thing to say about this. No. And then I'll, I want to pitch it back to you. What I think is really great about this is it, it's the, you know, the contrast between Skeen's selfishness and Nemec's philosophy of how are we going to lift everyone up and save the entire galaxy, you know, e- even down to the image of him using his his uh, freedom device, <laughs> yeah. his device that is not locked into imperial control to get them to freedom to escape. Nemec is so um, representing a, a more pure ideology of this is what we're fighting for and why and we mm-hmm. should all go along. And then Skeen's selfishness. I feel like it's not that Cassian is choosing selfishness in that moment. It's that he is choosing survival. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I think, you know, Skeen says to him, you're not here to save anybody but yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that connects back to, you know, Luthen's pitch to Cassian of like, the way you're going, you're, you're going to die. The Empire is going to hang you. Do you want it to be for something petty or do you want it to be for something real? And this is what Cassian continues to wrestle with is should I get involved in something bigger or should I just do whatever it takes to survive? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, the, the shooting of skiing mm-hmm. is absolutely just survival. It is Cassian realizing like, Hey, Hey skiing, you're proposing that we do this thing together because you need me. And I know the second I go urinate, you're going to shoot me in the back of the mm-hmm. head. If I don't kill you right now, you are going to kill me. It might take a, a week but you're going to mm-hmm. kill me. Um, yeah. So it's such a choice of survival. So I just kind of fascinated that, that Cassian's been loaded up with ideas of what is virtuous about a larger rebellion. He's literally got a manifesto that's been <laughs> yeah. written uh, toward him with a chapter about him to sit in his soul. But at the end of this arc, he's driven back closer to where he was at the beginning. Of, yes. I just need to survive and I just need to look out for me and my own. Yes. No, this is all great stuff. I'm so glad you went. You, you, you jumped to the end to this thing. It, it's really all part of the conversation. We'll get to the beat by beat stuff. This is why I love just kind of diving in. You're absolutely right. That ending, I, I kept thinking about it, especially going. One of, you know, you you talked about last week. Like you watch the episode and you kind of have trouble going to sleep because we're in the West Coast. We get to watch it a little <laughs> earlier. And you're like you're kind of in bed rolling around. Not just uh, what am I going to talk about in the podcast, but what did that episode do to me and I loved one of the, my favorite things about this episode is exactly what we're talking about there at the end. Some great lines from from Skeen about me against everybody else. It's me against everybody else. You're, you're not here to save any, anybody but yourself. I saw I saw it in you when I saw you know. And then it's like you know Skeen's suspicious nature clearly reflects on him and his, his commitment mm-hmm. and reasons. Now that we go back and and see that there's some lessons in that. Um, you see maybe yourself, you're the worst of yourself out there and others, and that's why you attack them, uh, that kind of thing. But the killing of, of Skeen, you're right. I think survival, I think he and Han and Tobias Beck would have some great conversations about that kind of stuff later on. But I also put down this note, I was like, oh God, in a lot, of, a lot of ways it represents to me Andor killing part of himself, except mm. for he's not quite there yet at the end, which I love. There wasn't this heroic... You know, not, I mean, it's not like Tivik, right? It's it, we we got this thing with Andor shoots a lot of people and it weighs on his soul. We know this, 
Uh, this is another one. But mm-hmm. what's going to weigh is what is it? Maybe Andor's wondering what did it what did it really mean to me? It's survival. He's going to kill me. He says, uh, you know, confesses as much to um, to to Val. You know, he you know when Val's kind of like that. You know, I don't believe any of this. And he's like, you need to ask yourself about that or whatever the exact line was. I didn't mm-hmm. write it down. Um, but that, that Andor maybe flies away, going, what did, is there part of me that I he he disgusted me because that's me type of thing. And, and just kind of see when you see yourself reflected and does it move him on? And will the words of Nemec, will he read the final and the final sentence of that manifesto is, Hey, rebellions are built on hope. I'm half joking with that, but I imagine that phrase is going to be in that manifesto. Um, And and it's, I love that. It's not quite there yet for Andor. We didn't have the big hero moment. We didn't have the, I'm yay. I am part of the rebellion. He's still trying to survive. He's still trying to figure it out, but there's this question Asked uh, uh, indirectly from the uh, leader of the pilgrims, uh, the Donis there, the Aldani, when he when he says, you know, what's the good in you, is kind of the question. I think that's one of the big things going on this episode too. What is the good in you? And you got to ask yourself that. And I think Andor is trying to figure that out because you're right; he is connected to all those people. I think uh, part of it too. You're, you're forty million credits, but what can you do? Maybe you, you can't go back to Ferrix. You can't help those you love. Maybe, maybe you could. I don't know. Is it go away money? And what is, is that? What I really want? What do I really want? And yeah. I think Andor's still wrestling with it. Yeah, and I think that it's just this really fascinating. Um, division where Skeens and and Cassian are aligned on we will do what we have to to survive you Mm -hmm. know Cassian shot Skeen to survive he shot that uh Primor guard to survive because there was no way out of that he saw without him you know dying um so Cassian and Skeen are aligned on yep we do what we take to survive but Skeen Mm -hmm. takes that a step forward and is like and therefore any sort of connection is a lie everyone yeah. is out for themselves and Cassian's like no <laughs> yeah I love my family yeah. I love my sister I have no need to steal all that money from Vel and from Luthen like it, it, I, I'm not just yeah. out for myself so it, it creates to me this image where Cassian wants to be where where uh, Nemec was wants yeah. to be anything for the larger cause I am in this for everybody as well as for myself but he's afraid because if yeah. he makes that choice, he won't survive. Yeah. 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 Fear run. Yeah. Last week they talked a lot about fear and it's uh, now it's a bigger kind of fear. Yeah. And I love that he, he like, even in that moment where he, you know, kills skiing and, you know, holds uh, Vel and, and <laughs> Dr. Quadpaw uh, uh, <laughs> under a blaster, uh, he's still yeah. trying to make fair deals. He's paying yes. Dr. Quadpaw twice what his ship is worth that he's going to take. You know, he's not giving him a ton of choice, but he's trying to be decent because he is a decent person. Right. And he's not he's just taking what what he was offered. Right. You know, he's he isn't skiing. And and I think you're right. I think there is almost some anger in like we have this overlap of we we come from a a rough life, a rough childhood and we have to fight to survive. But that does not mean we are the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's all true. What Skeet is saying is true, and 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 you you probably that's how you learn to survive. And and now, you know, even going to stuff Luther was saying to Cassian about it's not just about being better; it's just about connecting to something bigger, which we get with Nemec, like you said, the, the Nemec on your shoulder. We all should have a Nemec on our shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that again, that question of what's 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 what is the good in you? And uh, we're here with this very nature driven, organic 
um, uh, experience that's going on with these uh, these pilgrims up there, which I thought was done beautifully, both in the in the look and then just the uh, the looks in their eyes, the reactions. I loved everything about that sequence, and I think it had a lot to do with what's uh, you know the, the 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 dance in your heart, <laughs> the the connection going on in your heart. And I think very much you're right, Andor. It's not like I'm taking forty million. I'm out of here. I've killed Skeen. Just give me what I was promised, because that's all I really want. And I'm just curious. It, it, what I love about it, Joseph, is it sets up still more questions with Andor and still six episodes of him having to discover truly who he is and who he wants to be. Yeah. And, and I I think if it is, if it is that Cassian is motivated to keep himself alive and keep those closest to him alive, if his, mm-hmm. you know, defining trauma is being separated from his sister, whatever happened to his, his uh, birth parents uh, on Canari. Um, to the the fear of losing uh, of losing his adoptive father Clemo, the fear of losing Marva, if he goes back to Ferex and the this kind of drive to protect those closest to him means you have no choice but to kind of take it bigger mm-hmm. and go a little bit more full <laughs> full yeah. uh, Nemix manifesto and take on the Empire because that's the only way for you to protect the people you love, which is clearly important to him. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, absolutely, and I always say, like, even even in, in in real life, it's it's so much easier to be moved by individuals than groups, unfortunately, right? Sometimes that's the way it just works for folks, and if that's how it works for Andor, even if he does got to try to go back, um, Han, look at Han, right? Han motivated, whether it be Kira, maybe a little bit later on for for Leia, you know, that's how that's the entryway for a lot of folks, and I'm curious to see what happens to Andor when, when he goes back, if he goes back, whatever goes on on Ferex. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 that's, that's something that I would guess. And then something that I feel like the trailers might um, hint toward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I could be wrong. The trailers could be tricksy. Um, but I think it's interesting that obviously it's, we're focused on Cassian. It's uh, the show is called Andor. Um, but we see some moments where other characters wrestle with is the personal cost of the rebellion worth it, right? Mm. I really love the moment where uh, Vel is kind of afraid after mm-hmm. uh, to make the choice to just say go, right? And yeah. I think it's really staring at Cinta, right? She's really worried about this person that she mm-hmm. loves. She knows that she can't control all of this. She knows that there's going to be uh, death and risk. And even after being so committed to plan all this, to do this, at the moment where she has to say go, where it's on her to make it real, she hesitates. Mm-hmm. It's so real because it, 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 it's, I think that's one of those moments that makes us really go like, oh, yep, the the uh, the rebels aren't just like good guys who always do the right thing because that they chose that alignment at the beginning yeah. of the video game, right? This is real. And yeah. even when you've gone, it, it, it's that kind of thing that we all do that's emotional, but from the outside, you know, when we're getting advice from other people, you know, if, if Vel described to somebody, he's like, so I planned for weeks. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mm-hmm. took all these risks. There really wasn't a way to back out. I was already on the bridge, but I considered mm-hmm. backing out. And from a logical perspective, you'd be like, why? Well, because yeah. this is the emotional truth and we're more emotional than we are logical. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. It's one of the things that is not just unique to Andor, to be clear. It's so present in other parts of Star Wars right now, the modern era of Star Wars of, what you just said, choose the alignment at the beginning of the video game is an awesome way to describe it of it's just not that simple. I don't think it ever was supposed to be that simple. We just picked up the story in episodes four, five, and six and Lucas's saga and and the sides seem to have been formed. 
Uh, and it works so well. So that that moment is one of those little tension markers where you're just like, you kind of are holding your own breath, like say it, go, 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 go. And it works exactly. just in a fun, in, in a fun surface level of tension. But I, everything you're describing of the cost being up front. And now, you know, we, we know that these two characters are, are in a relationship. And so uh, your love, your connection as a person is literally right in front of you. And that's what's mm-hmm. at stake. Yeah, it works so well on both on all levels, and and, uh, and and it's part of the bigger tapestry of the rebellion. Yeah, yeah, I really love that moment. And then I also liked. Uh, I, I've enjoyed Gorn all these episodes, but he's really been growing on me. We've learned more about his story mm-hmm. and going back and watching some early stuff, and and now knowing his his level of uh, disgust at the Empire's treatment of the Donnie mm-hmm. people. Um, I loved everything about his interactions with Commandant J. Hold Bihas, but in terms of this idea of the the personal cost, what are you willing to give for the rebellion, right? Um, once uh, uh, Commandant J. Hold uh, discovers that Gorn's involved, he says, you'll hang for this. And Gorn mm-hmm. says, seven years serving you, I deserve worse than that. Yeah. Which I thought was really fascinating because uh, Cassian is still concerned about losing his life he's still concerned about the people Mm -hmm. closest to him the personal cost of rebellion Uh, vel is is so frightened of losing cinta that she illogically waits to say you know uh, Mm -hmm. go and gorn's just like i don't care if i die because i have to pay penance for what i helped you do yeah it's very small but it's a part of what's making this show really interesting to see these different levels of engagement with ideas of rebellion and ideas of sacrifice based on your own personal experiences. Yeah. I really, um, Gorn, we hardly knew you, but yet we got, <laughs> got to spend some time with you there. Um, it, well, does he, where is he? Is he dead or not? Uh, this would be my, uh, a, a critique I have of the episode of, I, I, I really liked, um, it's a weird thing to say. Uh, I really liked Terraman's death because like mm-hmm. you were describing, it feels, it felt perfunctory. There was nothing yep. dramatic about it. It was just, Hey, sometimes uh, somebody runs through a field of blaster fire and they make it, and sometimes they don't, and he didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was very clear. For how important Gorn was, I, I just felt like if he is in dead, or even if he's wounded, a shot of his face would have been great because I, yeah. as I was watching it the first time, I was like, I'm pretty sure that figure, based on the the blocking of the scene, was Gorn. Yeah. Um, but we really don't get any confirmation visually or verbally. Um, yeah. And I would have okay. liked, I didn't need a shot that like, lingered and made it uh romantic right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i like what you're saying about making the violence brutal and real which it was uh but i would have liked a shot confirming either his death or his grievous injury yeah 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 no yeah i, I asked because uh i so, so funny on my second viewing this morning i was like i had a note for myself to like check if gorn was alive or dead <laughs> and then i i got so wrapped up in the episode i skipped by that i just didn't stop for a moment i i I think maybe i I assumed he did but even as you and i discussed it i'm like he's so was so important that operation is uh, i could see him going on in some way and because maybe i want to um it was a really good use of that character to be on the inside and to hear that speech that coffee sipping moment that we saw in the trailer Mm. for so for so long to actually see it in full context was even better than i can imagine meaning it was impactful because it was so just uh you know, damning of the empire's view of, of, of cultures and worlds and, and, and the, and the people that are oppressing. So I loved it. So anyways, I think I'm just rooting for him to be alive. I think so too. I think the fact that we didn't get a, a shot or we didn't get somebody, mm-hmm. you know, when the rest of them got on the ship, none, nobody was asking where Gorn was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad yeah. that we didn't get it. Like, no, I saw it went, it went straight through his heart. He's gone. Um, yeah, yeah. because I am hoping 
that Gorn continues, I'm hoping that we see, does does this action help the Donnie in any way, or does it make things even worse for them? Is the, the boot of the Empire going to come down even more cruelly and, yes. and faster? We, this episode, we spent a lot of time talking about how they were going to, how they were handling them, which I definitely want to talk about. Yes. Uh, but I, I want to continue the Donnie story and, and with it, Gorn. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, make we get a get a a spinoff series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. and then uh, the the this uh, idea of the personal cost of rebellion we talked about a lot, but I also feel like the idea of the moral cost and how should we fight yeah. this fight was really raised. Of uh, yes. Nemec is really you know wrestling with the choice of like, well, mercenaries are just brutal and they don't have feelings and we are doing this for specific reasons and kind of bringing up that idea of like well uh does the rebellion need to be as brutal as amoral as the empire to defeat Mm -hmm. them and and that great exchange of like well maybe if we're really violent with them they will say okay okay let's talk about this (laughs) casting going no No. um so it really (laughs) raised that specter and then we really saw again and again the uh rebels attempt to to Use violence when needed, but not to be as brutal and casually mm-hmm. violent as the Empire, right? If Vel saying, if we get what we came for, everyone walks away, right? We're not the mm-hmm. same as you. Uh, so to have that kind of the moral cost of the larger cost of the rebellion framed that way and then see the way the violence was just sort of out of control. It wasn't, as you were saying, all moral choices. It wasn't like yeah. Cassian going... Ah, I, I don't. I'd want to shoot that person, but I have to. Right? It was that yeah. as soon as violence starts, it spins out of control. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved uh, Jay Hold's heart attack. Right? Like, yeah, it, that was a violence that the the rebels caused that they didn't choose. Uh, Nemec mm-hmm. being crushed uh, was a violence that was not like, yeah. oh, he got mm-hmm. caught by the Empire. So this idea that once you start violence, it's chaos and you can't control it I, I i i love that you brought this up man god i love working with you yeah um uh, <laughs> how to how to build this rebellion is a, is a thing i wrote down too because you have you have it from the mercenary stuff which which i thought was i want to read nemec's uh men i want to read all the manifesto maybe could they just sell that at a galaxy's edge but the, the thought of <laughs> well you know I, I i have a different view of mercenaries after meeting you Andor. like if this is what you are we're going to need you. And, and it takes all kinds. You and I believe it even takes Porgs screaming uh, to, to win this war. And how you got Terraman to reveal that, well, he was a stormtrooper. And you should have been here when Sinta found that out because they killed her family. But we need him here. And the cause needs all these pieces. The rebellion needs all these pieces. Uh, and, and the question of how you fight. Yeah, great note with, with Vel saying, oh, because that's what you would do. You would pull the trigger. We're not you. It's all that big question of how you fight. And it's interesting because this episode, I think this episode poses more questions than gives answers because we also know what's coming. We know Saw's out there. We know the bigger fight's coming. <laughs> we got stuff happening to the Gorman, the people of Gorman uh, with Mon Mothma. And like, well, like you said, once it starts, even the Empire's not looking until they are. And then you might be well, be careful what you wish for type of thing. Uh, even last week, Luthans, you know, Kayla says, well, I'll be over, uh, Clea says, well, I'll be over tomorrow. Or it's just beginning. And I love all that to say, I don't love that Nemec's dead, but I, I liked the choice that it wasn't from the, a blaster of a trooper. It was mm-hmm. the goal of the mission killed him. Yep. And that is speaks to the cost, 
the moral choices there and, and how you fight, how it matters and how in the end you're going to be forced to make some choices you didn't plan for. Cause that's what happens when this all begins. Yeah. It, it was just so chaotic, right? Even the fact that, well, we can't, we can take even a, a tiny amount of the money we plan to steal and the like, yeah, we have to make them, we don't have any repulsor lifts. <laughs> yeah. We don't, have, we don't have any Wookiees. We just have to yell at, you know, uh, we have to yell at this, um, not healthy, uh, you know, commandant until he has a heart attack <laughs> it's just so uh fascinatingly chaotic and real and like yeah but, by the way, people are responding to this this is this is this is a heist is so real compared to like some mm-hmm. of the other styles of of heist that we've seen in star wars yeah. sometimes yeah no uh, and the, when the commandant started uh, getting the sweats and the arm grab i was like oh i've been there i worry about this all the time <laughs> oh god this is not good for him and then it shouldn't be but yeah <laughs> No, no, not, uh, not great for him. Um, and you know, I feel like my my last kind of thought on this, uh, idea of is the rebellion worth the cost? Like we're going to see the rest of Luthen's reaction when he knows what the cost of it was. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious to see how much he cares. Um, but if the whole episode started with kind of raising the question of how far should the rebellion go? What is the uh, moral cost? What is the personal cost? Uh, Luthen's response at the end of laughing with joy and then exhaling and sighing a little bit is like, mm-hmm. for him, the answer is yes. Yeah. That's, I love that ending. It, yeah. it has to be done. Yeah. It has to be done, uh, and and you can find the joy in the in the horror, I guess. But yeah, I love that ending. I thought it was as well. The show keeps challenging me. I'll say this: Andor keeps challenging me at the end of every episode, where I'm like, "Really? That's why we're doing this?" Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it comes from a spot of just please give me the next episode now. Yeah, I mean, I think the endings for me are sometimes they're the, oh, man, I want to know what happens next. Or, mm-hmm. you know, in the episodes that are building up, like, ooh, I, 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 the characters are poised to make a choice, but now I'm so curious what their choice is. And then yeah. for me, there is, there is does the ending feel like it is addressing a thematic question that was raised in this specific episode? So this yeah. episode feels like a complete thing. And this mm-hmm. was really satisfying to me because it felt like one of the questions is, what's the, is the rebellion worth the cost? And Luthen's got a big old laughing yes. Yeah, it's a great freeze frame, by the way. <laughs> it's if they freeze frame it, it would have been a great sitcom ending, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robbie yeah. Dangerfield singing there. Ah, let's all have some fun. Yeah, yeah. And and I love everything you're saying uh, about uh, all of these ideas of yeah, you got to fight the fight, but how do you fight it? Because that is such a crucial Star Wars idea, right? That's mm-hmm. at the heart of Luke's uh, uh, woes in the Last Jedi. That's a lot. What's going on in the Obi Wan? Kenobi show right of I uh, need to get it back out there we need to press back against the empire but at what cost and how do we do it and when do mm-hmm. we you know use the blade and when do we throw it aside those ideas are so essential to Star Wars that yes uh, tyranny must be opposed but how are we going to do it and keep our souls yeah uh, there's the line from the, the the leader of the pilgrims peace to those who come in peace uh mm-hmm. saying you come in the temple uh it doesn't necessarily mean you're putting your blasters down uh even duchess satine picks them up at times but uh the cost uh, is big yet yeah, if, if you know you got it you got a wife and a kid and everything and, and it makes me think of what saw does in the book rebel rising if y'all haven't read that god we can't recommend that one enough it's so good mm-hmm. uh, and how the danger and the and the threat and, and you see it a little bit with with um 
uh, Anton Lesser's uh, ISB uh, character there at the end, like the retaliation's coming. And when someone like Saul Guerrero or others fight outside the the boundaries of of certain rebel morals, it, it brings even more pain back. It, it the chaos of violence begins. But you might that might be the cost, but you have to wait. I, I just loved I loved that Vel moment. Vel moment. It was it was small but important. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Vel, you know, tempted to stay on the mission makes the choice to try to save Nemec, you know. So yeah. th- there's there's definitely a morality there that would not happen with the with the Empire. Um, totally. I have one other big theme, but I think I'm very curious to see where you were going next. Um, I th- Honestly, it was kind of um, all there. I did put some stuff. I guess it's the theme of um, how oppression happens. <laughs> Can we say that? And what's uh, at stake? I think uh, we're in the same place. We've yeah. been having this a lot where we, we are really interested in the same idea and, and we uh, phrase yeah. the top line of it slightly differently. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I put, yeah, the empire, Empire's relation to the Eldani and, and calling him, uh, what they call him Dolnies all the way through it, right? Donnie, which, yeah, the Donnie. Uh, which I guess you could interpret, I was going to ask you what you thought of that. I interpret a little bit of, uh, that's the Empire's version of uh, what they call them. Little derogatory, possibly. But also, I thought maybe they, they were referred to by even Korn, uh, Gorn in that way as well. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah, I just took it as, like, it, the planet is Eldani and the people are Donnie the same yeah, way. The planet so. is name-checked in this episode is Deveron and the people there are Deveronians, you know. Correct. Okay, great. Uh, but even from there, uh, it's just this, you know, how to tear down cultures, culture, cultures, worlds, and planets and have the Commandant essentially give his own manifesto and pamphlet on on how to do it and it's it's a very real world it's drawn from i think many different um parts of histories uh, uh here on earth and uh uh all those things that play there and and it was very uh, effective in, in the way of uh it's um scary in that line they'd rather suffer than accept and how that from a certain point of view how that line has different meanings uh can be a rallying cry or for the empire victory yeah, no, you're saying a lot of things I love. I think that one of the core to me themes of Star Wars that I talk about a lot because it really resonates with me is the idea of the the flowing and the organic versus the mm-hmm. the rigid and the mechanical. You know, um, choice versus control, and this is so explicitly what's going on, right? We're really yeah. diving deep on a live action television show that lots of people are going to see about the Empire sort of imposing this rigid mechanical control on a place that is more organic more connected to each other more connected mm-hmm. to the galaxy you know i really like it was probably in previous episodes but it's so clear to me that the in the imperial base they have that viewing post that's built on three spires and it's mm-hmm. kind of a rigid mechanical version of the donnie's uh, stone temple yeah <laughs> uh with natural curves but still the three spires so you just get it visually uh we get all of uh commandant j holds discuss disgust and dismissal of ceremony and of their Mm-hmm. Their culture, you know, it, it's taking little things that have been in Star Wars since the beginning, uh, like the Imperial saying to Chewbacca in the first film, where, where are you taking this thing um, yeah. to Piet saying bounty hunters, we don't need their scum. That's always been a part of the the Imperials. But to really dive into it here mm-hmm. um, in contrast, that utter disrespect and dismissal of the ancient and the cosmic and. Yeah contrasting that with the the Donnie's reverence at the natural beauty of the eye and it's it's meaning to them that it's a window to the rest of the galaxy you know Mm -hmm. uh it's such a clear powerful contrast and it's you know uh powerful because it's some things that the empire can't control 
Yeah, yeah, and it all leads to Bright Tree Village. I'll say. Um, yeah, no, there's it some. It really does. Yeah, uh, the things there. Uh, there's a line of the comment uh, about a, being above the stench, right? And they mm-hmm. keep that, that, that. Oh, they smell or whatever. Yeah, that kind of stuff there, which is kind of on the surface. But even then, I even put. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, conviction, commitment, and how to build the rebe- rebellion. But a big why I, I put down this idea of you know you're, you're fighting for the the beauty in the galaxy because the Empire's trying to take even that. They're, they're going to yeah. keep them out of the sacred place. Well, they can come back and build things for us, of course. Yeah. Um, but we've been promoting imperial uh, viewing parties down below, and and and, and they keep uh, wrestling with these choices and not realizing we're taking the freedoms. But all that saying, we're we're here to take away the this very beauty in the galaxy. We're here to take it away from you, and that's yeah. another reason to fight and another tool at the empire's uh, disposal. Yeah, and, and there's even that implication in that line that starting the imperial viewing party. Uh, down below where they want them with this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, forced migration uh, yeah. that it, that that will be more profitable because the empire can sell them stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty brutal. Um, I think a lot of uh, the, the Donnie in the, the empire relationship is, um, is uh, set up in that conversation at the beginning with Cassian and, and Nemec as well. And I, the other big theme that I thought was really present in this episode is uh, really defining the difference in the ideologies. So really getting away from any sort of surface level good guys and, and bad guys, right? Yeah. Of yeah. getting down to not saying it's not good guys and bad guys. It's gray. They're both the same. It's not mm-hmm. saying that at all. It's saying no. let's show us, let's show deeply the difference in ideology so we can see why uh, people choose to fight. Mm-hmm. Or people fall to the the dark side of following the imperial uh, ideology, um, yeah. and, and to me, it was really framed of control versus choice, and this really practical definition throughout the episode that freedom is the ability to choose things for yourself, or the society coming together to make a choice for the society versus an authoritarian or tyrannical force limiting or entirely taking away your choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really great because, you know, in storytelling and certainly in, in our real life American culture, a word like freedom can get thrown around so much that it begins to lose any value. And it almost just sounds mm-hmm. like this is just what you shout at somebody when you want them to do what you want them to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so diving in and going, what does freedom mean? Why is it worth fighting for? Um, mm-hmm. And that's a part of, of, uh, Nemec and Cassian's conversation where Nemec gets a little frustrated with Cassian, right? And thinks that Cassian doesn't care about the big picture uh, mm-hmm. and, and says, you know, freedom, independence, justice, really kind of using those words of what are we fighting for? Um, and he has that great interaction where uh, Cassian does indeed uh, prove to him mm-hmm. <laughs> that he's quite passionate about those ideas. Uh yeah but is only willing to go so far. So I feel like that idea was framed right away from me of like, okay, uh, Nemec's manifesto is about freedom. So what does that Mm. literally mean? Mm. And then we follow up very quickly with uh, Commandant uh, J-Hold's speech about giving the Donnie the illusion that they have choice. Yeah. That specific quote is, uh, we found the best way to steer them as we'd like is to offer alternatives. You put a number of options on the table and they're so wrapped up in choosing, they fail to notice you've given them nothing they wanted at the start. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is just like a a precise example of 
tyranny giving you the illusion of choice while also just taking it away entirely. Um, and I think that's something that uh, certainly happens in authoritarian governments, but I, it, it happens, I think sometimes with even like out of control corporations. Um, yeah. Like m- my dad was telling me last night, he's trying to get new internet and mm-hmm. he tried to call up a company and say, I just like internet. Mm-hmm. And I think the employees must've been like on a corporately dictated script but they would only offer him bundles, internet and cable or internet and cell phone or internet and landline. Right. And, and my dad's, you know, a little bit older and he's just like, listen, buddy, <laughs> hey, sport. I'm trying to tell you a thing. You know, my dad, and I had this kind of yeah. fun conversation. I roll in about what you're going to do about it. But and then I watched this episode of Andor and it's like, yeah. yes, it's the illusion of choice of we uh, the the internet company that is one of your very few options. You don't have a plethora of options. If you want to yeah. be connected to the larger world, you've got to have one of these. And we want to get. We want to say the customer is always right. Look at all these choices we give you. It's three, and you can take them, and you can't have this other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part of this uh, this uh, modern era of Star Wars. Really diving into how. That uh, safe and secure society Palpatine uh, brought on in really worked and really oppressed and really broke down. And this is, yeah, obviously you see it in Rogue One, but I really think it's on display so much in Solo. And now to see it actually have an Imperial just being like, yeah, here's what we do. Here's what we do. Yeah. This is how we take their power away. This is how we take their choice and their individuality and their society mm-hmm. away is mm-hmm. by pretending to be friends while limiting them as much as is possible. Uh, and yeah. then the, the colonel there, Pedagar, asks, will the Donnies let us build our new facility in peace? And Gorn's got that great response of, I don't see them having a choice. Right. Which, again, really raised that specific idea that this is what is at stake. This is why we are fighting to have choice. And I feel like that has a great double meaning of uh, Gorn basically saying to the colonel, like, the Empire has sec- successfully given them absolutely no choice, uh, or rather a binary choice. They'll have mm. to accept the facility in peace. Or they'll have to choose rebellion because you're not going to sit down at the table and have a good faith, you know, yeah. a discussion or, or negotiation with them. So I love the the, the loaded double meaning of uh, their to 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 Pedagar, uh, Gorn's. Mm. I don't see them having a choice. Means the Empire has succeeded. But I think in Gorn's heart, it means you have given them no choice but to rebel against you. And no, they're not going to let you build your facility in peace because yeah. you've given them no choice but to rebel. Yep. Yep, this is why I'm, I'm pushing for the survival of Gorn and the Gorn cell of the rebellion led by Donnie's. Uh, <laughs> I love this. The Gorn cell, yeah. So, like, once I was really looking at everything from that that uh, lens, uh, it kind of dovetailed with this idea of the cost of the rebellion and the morality of the rebellion, mm-hmm. that the rebel uh, cell, uh, you know, who uh, are taken, taken on this uh, imperial group and raiding are explicitly taking the choices away from people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that they they have to in order to rebel, right? The, they're taking choice away from Bihas and his family, right? Um, Vel screams at him: "One path, one choice. We win, or everyone dies." Um, and uh, Jehold is shocked that when he sees that Gorn is exercising choice because he's not <laughs> yes. supposed to be, you know, doing yeah. that. Uh, so I thought that really was great to kind of define uh, freedom as the ability to make choices have Nemec worry about how much do we have to be like them to fight them and then literally see them have to take mm. uh, a family hostage, have to take people's 
choices away and say, do what we say or die. Yeah. Yeah. And then chaos explodes and then the cost is, uh, is, is, uh, is paid. Um, all leading to the Lutheran laugh. <laughs> all leading to the Lutheran laugh. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in any sort of, it's gray. They're, they're mm. good and, and, and bad. The mm. ideology of the, of, I think it lays out that the ideology of the rebellion is freedom, mm-hmm. independent justice. If we have a disagreement, let's talk and leave one another as many options and choices as possible versus the empire's cruelty and uh, xenophobia and desire yeah. to control everything. And then I think where the humanity in the gray area comes in is a lot of people are caught up in the machinery of the imperial, even some of the actual humans caught up in the horror of the imperial mm-hmm. ideology. Yeah, no, in terms of the gray area thing, yeah, that, that's that's one of those terms. You talk about freedom, a term being tossed around a lot. That gray area thing's tossed a lot around in, in fandoms. And yeah, it, it, it Skeen is in a gray area, and look where he is. The, the show comments on the end result. Uh, you do choose. And you you, mm-hmm. you have to you have to figure it out, and in some some way you're making that um, that choice whether you want to or not. And if you stay in the gray area, I think that's that's where you lose a little too. I think that's a lot of what Skeen's about to me. Um, oh, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, tying into all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other big picture thoughts on the the themes and the ideas of of this episode, this arc? Uh, nothing uh, there other than I just I just. Um, I really love the ep- this episode for just presenting things again so plainly and in a way that maybe others haven't seen or been able to connect with before in Star Wars. And I loved it. And it's all wrapped up. All these themes, we love diving deep, but they're all wrapped up in a good old-fashioned heist, which made yep. it a lot of fun. And screaming, terrifying TIE fighters, which we will yes. talk about more. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about some of the action scenes, the the whimsy. Uh, whimsy feels weird for this episode, but I did laugh a few times. Uh, we'll discover what some of those moments were in a moment. Uh, we will be back. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're back to continue our discussion of episode six of Andor the Eye. Uh, we always like to talk about big can surprises, fun connections. Sometimes you walk into Luthen's shop and there's so much to discuss, and other times, not as much. Um, Ken, I thought that there were definitely like a few little uh, references and nods and all that, and I'm sure there's some I missed. Uh, but I felt like mm. this episode was more about emotional canon connections than yeah. any literal, like they mentioned that character or that planet. How did you feel about that? A hundred percent. We keep making connections to Return of the Jedi and Ewoks because it's there. We keep making connections to Solo because it, it's there. It's there in the faces and the eyes of the Cloud Riders. It's, that's the connections that I love and I, I and I enjoy the other ones, but those are the ones I'm, I'm here for a little bit more. But there were some definitely, you know, some little things along the way, mostly Mothma talking about the Gormans, I think, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was absolutely great. Um, in fact, let's we don't need to go in chronological order. We can just jump to that. I think um, a huge canon thing for me was seeing the Senate again, uh, uh, bringing, bringing together the, you know, scenes from the prequels that at the time of their release were derided as being boring. Who cares about politics? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and now we're coming around to this much more political uh, show in Andor. We're getting to see the the Senate in live action again, uh, but it's a really different Senate. Like, mm. I know we have the, I know we had narratively what was going on was while Mothma was making her speech, the news of the Al- Aldani raid was breaking. But even before that news is breaking, that was a sad, mm-hmm. empty, perfunctory, unengaged space even yeah. in the prequels when when the uh the republic is already starting to falter right it's a it's a vibrant place where it's full of different people really arguing their position all through the clone wars we see that in the animated show i thought it was such a great choice to just like look mm-hmm. at the number of people who just didn't show up because why yeah yeah that sad uh- empty senate just hit me like a ton of bricks how did you feel about that i i i, lo- I love that you put it out i was gonna say I, I i love it but I, I don't love it it's it's the it's like you're watching c-span late at night and someone's you know some senators <laughs> putting a bill out there and there's like 12 other senators and it's like no one showed no one cares uh and i was it was telling one of them she, she's speaking to um just a silent chamber i i, I think even without that uh, uh, uh the Adani, uh announcement no one's responding 
Yeah, it's not it's not already empty because of the the news because mm-hmm. the news is breaking in the middle of her speech, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was great. You know, like are are people looking at the schedule and like, oh, Mothma's speaking? Yes. Yeah. You know, she's not going to win, and she's going to make another one of these impassioned speeches. Like, there's no point. You know. Yeah. Well, here she goes again, caring about the others. Yeah. Or is it even like we know we we want to we want power, so we want to suck up to to Palpatine to Masamitas this lot yeah. more, and they like it when nobody shows up for Mothma's speeches. So I'm not yeah. gonna. I mean, because that's sometimes what happens in, when you're talking about that late night C-SPAN. Sometimes it's like, is a political thing I'm going to show uh, that I don't care about this yep. argument or it's wrong by not even attending, by not yep. even engaging with it, you know? Yep. Yep, uh, indeed. And then, you know, there is that, th- there's no way to uh, magnify enough, but there is a possible Palpatine spec in the background, right? <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, were you expecting just to be a... A quick cut to old Palpy sitting there falling asleep or paying attention to other things or even getting I, the message. I was like, oh, maybe is he going to hear or is Masamita going to see it? I was so curious to see uh, if they would cut to him, you know? Um, yeah. And obviously I love the character. I love Ian McDermott, but it's mm-hmm. also, it's the storytelling of it. It's the like, does he even bother presiding, yeah. right? No. Um, yeah. Or only for specific moments where he wants to make a speech. Uh, we know from Rebels and lots of other storytelling that to the rest of the galaxy, he uh, now projects an image where he is not as, where he's recovered from his scars from the Jedi Rebellion. Uh, but how does right. he present himself in the actual Senate? You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of storytelling reasons that I want to see him. It's not just I love the character yeah. and I want to see him because cool cameo. It's yeah. I want to know the story. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, but even, even if it was a cut to Slymore, we all, we're all rooting to see Slymore, just Slymore getting the, uh, the iPad notification would have been good, but I, I like how it played out. And, and I like, um, I like, I, just, I, I like the way it was played by Genevieve O'Reilly in that, in that scene. Yeah. And I, and I think it's great that this is, this Gorman thread is developing. Many other, you know, people have talked about that is, uh, you know, the, Horrible tragedy on uh, Gorman to the Gorman people is a motivating factor for Mothma in Rebels. So I like that it's building this thread that makes it personal, that this is mm-hmm. a thing that is too blatant too far yeah. uh, for the way the Empire is trampling on this, uh, you know, allies' <laughs> uh, rights. Yeah, well, they are even using, you know, putting the boot down, using that phrasing. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Um Another bit of emotional canon that I, I wanted to talk about is just this idea of a mercenary's place in the rebellion that, you know, uh, Nemec is wrestling with that. I love that he titled it the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle of freedom. <laughs> and then, Best. you know, we get to see in Skeen what uh, the morality that Nemec was wrestling with in his mm-hmm. essay. Right. And all of that yeah. is really great. Uh, in in this episode, if if Andor was the first Star Wars anything, it would be fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. But the actual first Star Wars thing, uh, the movie Star Wars, is uh, that's the subplot. What is Han Solo's role in the rebellion? What is somebody who claims to be only out for themselves care about this galactic struggle for freedom? So I just kind of kept thinking about Han Solo and like what mm-hmm. what would have <laughs> Nemec thought if he'd lived to see Han Solo and Lando become heroes of right. the rebellion? You know. No, I, I think it's a great way that this episode being bookend, uh, bookended by the mercenary talk and the mercenary's role. And, and, and again, I think at some point all that gray has to fade away and you either are on the light or the dark. You do have to make a choice. And 
and even the you know the old thing of non-action is a choice. I, I think it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And so the connection to that's just all part of the Star Wars lore. And and it's again going to solo, right? It, it's it's played for uh, cloud riders. They're mercenaries. They're pirates, uh, but they're not. They're not. Um, and they they have a big part in, in, in this rebellion too. So uh, yeah, Nemec would have a, has a lot to say. Again, we really truly love to hear what this character has to say on it. Yeah. I also thought it was, it's really great to look at, at the movie solo um, mm-hmm. because it is dealing with a generally similar time frame. not exactly, but you know, this era yeah. where choices have been in freedom have been utterly restricted by the empire and is personal freedom even a possibility? Han thinks he can get it and everybody's like, yeah, no, you can't kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that is kind of what's at stake. And Han spends that movie and a large chunk of his life claiming that he just looks out for number one. He is claiming to be what skiing actually is. Right. And the story of Han is the the heart of gold uh, that lives, you know, in this uh, 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 alleged mercenary's body. Yeah. Again, what is the good in you? And um, once you find it, do you run towards it, run away from it? Or like Han, do both at certain times in your life. <laughs> yeah. Kind of grumpily go, oh, I'll do it for now. Yeah. Go, okay. You know, yeah. and he just goes to Kira saying, uh, you know, you're the good guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great Surely. stuff. Um. Only one or two other canon things that I noticed. Um, I do really like that the uh, Rebel, the Aldani Rebels crew, their jumpers are a different color, uh, but they do look a lot like Luke's Bespin fatigues, and that made me happy. Ah, there you go. I had to pick that up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luthen's office, his back office there, uh, it has been confirmed on old StarWars.com under the episode gallery in the trivia section that those are a. Uh, jumbo jedi and sith holocrons that he has in the background there yeah uh, and i don't think you and i have discussed that so i'm curious how you feel about luthan in what appears to be a pretty nice part of coruscant downtown mm-hmm. coruscant in the back office sure not on display in the window but just <laughs> jumbo jedi and sith holocrons in this era do you bump against that do you have headcanon for that um, why do you think luthan has those when he is trying to stay under the radar that's Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have. I have thoughts on this. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned this because I. I don't think I've really super in super detail been paying attention to anything going on in Luthen's shop. I wait for a good video from Alex or I wait for an episode guide. Uh, as an Indiana Jones fan, I'm glad to see Indiana Jones represented in several spots in Luthen's mm-hmm. workshop. Uh, but the holocrons, it's hard to miss them this time around. And I know some folks have got the idea of, oh, maybe there's some force sensitivity going on in Luthen or even uh, Clea, like maybe. Uh, I don't necessarily think so. But to have those, well, number one, I'm like, what's the information on there? So are you trying to get something from it? Are you trying to keep that from someone else? Or is it just wasted information? This is an era in which, you know, as Nemec says, they've done such a good job. The Empire's does such a great job at just making us forget so many things. Well, we know more than anything that's the Jedi, or at least mm-hmm. what the Jedi's role really was or who they really were as an order. That's all been muddled and erased by the Empire. So you're holding on to those things. and not cl- uh, accusing Luthen of holding on to them, hoarding them. I, 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 to me, more than anything in that, there's a lot of purpose in everything in that shop. Or most of the things we pointed out. Uh, that's, a, that's a, you know, Gungan weapon. There, 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 are, there are people who, uh, there are species that, that were part of an uprising, all that kind of stuff. The, the reference to the old Republic uprising. 
That one I'm wondering, is that part of just keeping the flame? Is there something on there? I don't think a Jedi is going to show up. I don't think there's going to be lightsabers in this series. So I'm not buttoned up against it, but I'm thinking about it more than I did the previous five episodes. Yeah. I think the thing for me is like, obviously he would is old enough to know Mm -hmm. what the Jedi were. He might have opinions about them. Right. But yeah, he knows, he knows they were real. Um, Maybe he thinks they were failures and, you know, you know, uh, monks who sat in their, their ivory tower discussing when they should have actually been using their power to help. Who knows? I'm I'm guessing uh, what Luthen's grumpy about. Um, But he has to know that a, a Jedi artifact is to be, destroyed you know yeah yeah i guess i guess not has to i think that's what's that's what i'm most interested by like i don't think he has any access to or or you know i don't think he's mm-hmm. saving that information i don't think he's like i've got a heist and it's based on this sith holocron right. you know right right no, i don't no, think he no, can no. open them you know um yeah. so does maybe does he maybe not understand like how fully uh they might bring the attention of of palpatine down that's the interesting question right. to me yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, he might just have them, right? Um, they're artifacts, right? They're artifacts. But those are big, and they're, they're literally big. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm, gonna, I'm not expecting them to be dealt with in this show. I'm just, no. in terms of the character of Luthen, who's fascinating. You talk about, I want a, a novel about the life of Luthen up to this point. I absolutely do. And, you know, when you acquire those, how, what, by whatever means, you've got to be aware of it to a certain degree. Yeah. And I mean, maybe there is something in him who, who there he does have a sort of perverse interest in. Mm-hmm. I am hoarding these things to present them as oh, interesting artifacts for you know your husband's uh, name yeah. day or whatever. Uh, but in his mind, there's like this is a museum of atrocities. Yes, yes. In reality, is what he is collecting and what he sees, and so I wonder for him, the Jedi and the Sith holocrons are are a part of his museum of atrocities. Right, right. I agree with that. Uh, I thought that was highlighted too. I really liked that moment. Uh, it, it could have just been some passing dialogue, but when he is showing uh, that woman in the shop uh, a necklace and and says it's uh, got writing that's a dead uh, Devron language, and she says how sad, and he says no, it's liberating. Mm-hmm. You decide what it says, your own secret language. It feels like when he's in Luthen working at the gallery mode, he always says the thing that is most disgusting to him in reality. Right. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm. This is a, a mm. fascinating line. Um, yeah. That yeah, was it yeah. for me. So, for, go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. No, I just, I, because I thought about that line a lot. It's, 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 so from that point of view, it's almost like he's, uh, be disgusted by the history is written by the victors kind of, uh, idea. Um, because yeah. it's a cult, it's a culture erased. Well, look, look, you get to decide now. <laughs> you you erased it, and it and it really ties back to what the empires mm-hmm. are doing to the Donny people, yes. and and the definition that the reason we are uh, fighting this is, uh, is because choice is being taken away and reserved only for the powerful and the tyrannical, and mm-hmm. other people are not being allowed choice. So for him to go, it's liberating. You, who are just buying this in a shop, have no connection to the culture, might be a part of a society that's, you know, complicit in the destruction of this uh, culture. You have all the control and power now. It's a trinket to you, and you get to have your own fun secret language. You decide. It's, yeah. It was really on point to the themes. Hang it on uh, the, your rearview mirror in your car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Powerful. Um, was there any other canon uh, connections for you? Um, 
the, so, so a lot made with the TIE fighters. It's not a canon connection, but it's like I've seen TIE fighters before. I get it. But going inside the cockpit, it was interesting. It was um, a little different. It was the cockpits were a little roomier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and so I thought it was just a, a different kind of canon connection of, oh, maybe these are the roomier editions. But anyways, uh, uh, I'm getting sidetracked by something small. I did like seeing uh, the TIE fighters in action and just uh, how it works. Yeah, no. And I, I really, really did like that. Um there was that very familiar of the the imperial klaxons the uh the, mm-hmm. the tie fighters themselves the and the their blasters blazing it was mm-hmm. familiar but different which i think is a great segue into uh action moments yes so uh, we did have a little bit more action than than just cyril throwing down his cereal yeah <laughs> that we had last week uh so let's talk about some favorite action moments in this uh did you have favorite action moments uh or were you more caught up in the like less that was cool and more oh horrible chaos and violence? It was honestly it was more horrible chaos and violence. Uh, to be honest, it, yeah, really, truly was. Uh, it, was it wasn't like a oh, it was a great blaster fight. I think it was well done. Yeah, I, I think I was focused on that side of it. Um, little moments on the way through. I'll start with a big one, and I, I'm sure you probably have something with it too. But but Nemec. How do, he doesn't go the way of Corporal Upham in Saving Private Ryan, which is the way you might have played that kind of character that might be viewed uh, uh, softer in some way, uh, mm-hmm. physically or otherwise. And it's not. It's not that. It's not played that way at all with Nemec, and I kind of like that. I didn't expect that soldier uh, to kill Cassian in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. But to have Nemec do it, I actually really liked it. It was, it was, it was a, a moment of action, um, a hero moment for Nemec, and, and well-deserved. Yeah, I thought it was a hero moment for Nemec. I think that Nemec was coded throughout the show as like the uh, the nerd who writes manifestos yep. in totally. <laughs> and builds super accurate models. Um, yep. So the idea that all of that training that he did paid off, that he made that precise shot, you know, that mm-hmm. could have easily taken Cassian's head off. Um, yep. There was some resonance there. And I think in in an episode that really discussed, you know, are mercenaries selfish? Is Cassian selfish? Uh, that uh, Nemec was clearly somebody who again and again was contributing to a view of like, we are stronger together. You know, mm-hmm. only Cassian can find the ship, but only uh, Nemec can navigate them out. You know, yeah, all these kinds of moments with Nemec were powerful. And that, I, that was one of my favorite action moments, too, because I. I almost expected more for him to, you know, <laughs> yeah. shoot part of Cassian's ear off uh, in, rather than nail that shot, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, really, really loved it. Um, I loved uh, just visually uh, Vel and Cinta jumping over the bridge. Um, I felt like this episode had a lot of setting up uh, Cinta as being mm-hmm. somebody who is very committed and very forward moving and not questioning things. And it was great after uh, Vel had her moment of hesitation to see them both just throw themselves over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having watched the previous episode so close to this one, uh, yeah, that that description of, of Cinta by Skeen uh, rings true. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of harder than all of us here. I forget exa- his exact quote. Um, not that she doesn't have emotions or feelings or isn't feeling the cost. She hasn't. It's a character that's probably said the least, um, but her actions mm-hmm really powerful there and uh, it, and it also had some good golden eye vibes so <laughs> absolutely a little bit of space bungee jumping was great yeah, yeah. um this was one of the cla- the classic just like that that's cool um the action i think is meant to be thrilling high stakes um but it is so much about you know 
what's going on and, and the horror of it. But I did really like when uh, Vel shot the machine and uh, blasted some steam into the Imperial's face. That was just a great mm-hmm. old video game. Uh, James Bond move, right? Yeah, <laughs> again, this, pipes they can shoot to blast steam <laughs> in the baddie's face. This is a this is a heist picture. This is, we this is what I, this is what I wanted, and, and we did get it. Even though it, it hit a lot different than I would have thought a year ago when I was waiting for the series. Yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, just uh, two more for me. Uh, the Tie Fighters flight. I think just kind of everything about it. The um, the how much they were built up to be so ominous of oh no three mm-hmm. Tie Fighters are coming. Um, the the. I think it was two things. I think the pilots were shot in the cockpit differently. Mm -hmm. And we're spending all of this time where every Imperial seems real. Even, even J-Hold who is awful, awful to his family, but his family's Mm -hmm. there. They're trapped in this machinery. Um, You know, there's that one background person when, oh, and I think it's Kimsey realizes that something's up and says, we got to go to the vault. And somebody's in the background is like, but we'll miss the eye. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're spending so much time with everybody, even if they are vile, they're still human. They're still real. So there's something about just the little slight different framing of the TIE fighters that made them feel like there's a person with a name under that helmet. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great way to describe it uh, because we have to acknowledge they they look a little different than what they they classically um, look like in the past. That's a great sentence, Ken. but I think it was effective in that way too, because I, I had that thought of, wow, that's really what they look like—the big, bulky helmets and the tiny little frames. They're just folks. They're just folks flying. <laughs> and the Tie Fighter helmets have always been a little large. Think of the two uh, leaving with Vader in New Hope, where he's like, "All right, you two come with me." There, it's a little clunky. And this, this, in keeping with the show, was played more real than other Star Wars things. It was fascinating. Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, absolutely great um, in in terms of making you feel the stakes and yeah. uh, th- that whole flight out with the the climb uh, um, and uh, the crystals and the breaking glass and in the mm. the way they built up that that ship was slower, it, it really made the Tie Fighters uh, just uh, lances of deadly green energy uh, feel really real and really visceral as well. Yeah, they were escaping in a, a Volkswagen van, and uh, that 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 doesn't go well at times. So. Yeah, and for me, final action shot is that Cassian's shot to skiing was was both surprising and predictable, and mm-hmm. I loved the speed of it, and I loved the mid sentence of it. I thought it was great. Yeah, both times you've seen Cassian kind of do this in this series. There's this little flash of um, emotion and anger, and and a uh, little loss of control from Cassian that, that I like that I like that he might need to explore yeah absolutely so any other favorite action moments for you uh no no just a lot of little ones on the way but yeah no no I think you covered them all there okay so let's talk about uh, moments of comedy and whimsy <laughs> just so many throughout this episode <laughs> yeah so did you have any and, and uh, if so what are they just the Commandant's wife, man. Perhaps you've expanded, and I'd like to see that. I mean, again, like you said, built uh, at a lot of pain. Even like, going back to last week, some of the funnier moments were with Karn, a character I'm not necessarily rooting for, but just the conversation with his his mom is, is, just, is priceless stuff. So uh, a lot of comedy in, in, in that scene. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately. I wish she, they had a better life. Yeah, no, and I think it's a, a great short scene to make a... Uh 
the to have empathy for the wife and the child caught up in this, right? The child who's mm-hmm. not feeling well or maybe just saying that because he doesn't want to spend time with his dad being made to wear uh, the imperial shirt. Um, right. Jay Hold blaming everything on everybody else. Like it's the you know it's it's not yeah. his fault uh, that his body has maybe changed in any way. It's that his wife didn't store his belt right. That yep. just like nothing's ever my fault. Um, yep. It made me laugh because it was that level of needing to control things beyond what they can be controlled that it tipped into comedy for me is a little bit earlier uh, when Jay Hold is being really hard on uh, a Gorn about making sure that everything's uh, under control. And he says, I need it perfect. And Gorn says, like, yep, I'm doing everything. <laughs> he just yells, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and just to me, there's a level of like satire to it. Like, of course, we all want to... Uh, be in control but there's a certain point where you have to accept you can't control everything you know like that cosmic event that's about to happen you can't control that (laughs) yeah that's that's so true what are some other moments for you or or was that it that was it i (laughs) I mean the luther stuff from robota luther at the end but yeah no uh, yeah i wasn't uh, not a lot of laughter in this episode yeah for me it's a little bit more like sparks of uh of personality in life i did like uh nemec's uh you know, kind of breaking cover to smile excitedly at Cassian and say, you were right. I'm not tired at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of little character, uh, warm character moments, which is great. Yeah. So uh, for me, just a couple other little character moments, uh, the, <laughs> when they first, uh, uh, burst out with their blasters and, uh, Commandant J Holt says, what's all this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that almost felt like, you know, a, a, a British man with a monocle being shocked in the monocle swing. So like, what? 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 And uh, I really enjoyed Gorn saying to Jay Hold, quit gawking and get pushing. Yes. <laughs> you know, is it worth it to spend the time with Jay Hold to see how much he's like, I control everything yeah. everywhere, yeah. except for this one guy who might be able to get me off this planet. And then I, I have to control how we kiss his ass uh but gorn is so knowingly stripping power and choice away from jay hold by saying quick gawking and get push <laughs> yeah yeah uh final thing for me uh we got to talk about dr quad paw yeah um, that's true I, I really do um i know people have different different tastes and i get that and i'm fine with uh star wars having uh some dishes on the star wars buffet like andor that are a little grittier there aren't going to be as many silly moments but i still want it to be the same galaxy so every once in a while i want somebody <laughs> just sort of weird and fantastic like dr quad Paw to show up and i also kind of like the commitment that uh, okay, great. It's an it's an alien design. It's a little weird. It's a little bonkers. Mm. But then you get to the credits and you realize his name is Doctor Quadpaw, right? <laughs> Which is a Lucas level thumbing mm. his nose at, yeah. at fans who want things too serious. Going, I don't care. His name's Savage Press. Yeah, yeah, that guy's named Orn Freetalk. That's the way my daughter used to say corn fritters. Too bad. It a yeah. part of Star Wars is silly, right? Yeah. It, it, just in the credits, going like, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That is a part of the core of this galaxy as well, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's effective. Uh, similar to, uh, what was the character we all love, uh, Vetch uh, from the first couple episodes? Yes. Yeah, no, it's effective. But it's not unlike Rogue One, when you and I just recently celebrated Boar Gullet on Databank Dive, where it, it is a very serious, grounded, troops on the ground. Oh, but there's also this mind-reading blob. Uh, and uh, it had the same effect, like I said, up top, where like I was so pulled in by the, the, the reality of, that this world was presenting that I'm like, what's, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, that's right. This is Star Wars. And uh, 
I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It, it, I, I am. I am here to make uh, alongside you the case for pulp. Yeah, and I don't need it to be wall to wall, but I like it being present in the corners, so it feels like the same galaxy. Yeah, this is Claude uh, exists in this galaxy. Um, uh, you know, it's all one. It's all one. Yeah, and uh, and I like Doctor Quadpa uh, raising all four hands. It, it made me uh, laugh a little bit in the midst of a really hard yeah. and sad scene. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It, it, the voice, the voice choice. Uh, I loved. I love that too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as we begin to wrap up here, did you have a favorite Luthan line or noise? We didn't have as many to choose from this episode. Uh, the three beats here. I love when you got the guy in the shop just like, do you have anything from Eldani? And the guard f- falls down a little bit for Luthan. And he mm-hmm. stays within character. But I, I, lo- I, I love that um, because it's, um, you know, I didn't know which way that was going to go, right? It's a good thing or a bad thing that he's mentioning it. And uh, uh, Luthan plays it as such. So there's that. How to laugh. I call it the exhale of rebellion. <laughs> yeah, I like the husband in the shop saying, really? I was kidding. When, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, says, yeah uh, I might have something in the back. Um, you know, the laugh and the hair stroke was so great. That sort of just laugh of like, uh, I, it, it's real. It's happening. I've made this happen. I've made them stand up and notice. I've mm-hmm. hurt them. Uh, and that hair stroke, like for a a second there was like, is he just going to whip the wig off and, and let real Luthan out? <laughs> yes. I, yes. I thought that too. Yeah. Uh, any, any other Luthan moments for you? No, it's just a great laugh, but it's, it's, it's up there with the, You got the sigh of Akbar, kind of the cost of the, the battle of Endor and the rebellion overall, the stress of it. You got some stuff with Radis we talked about too, but I just like, he's kind of has that got, ah, the rebellion has begun. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. That was uh, that was great. Thrilling, mm-hmm. losing stuff. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? No, I think uh, the big thing about this episode is so well done. It's it's being praised by a lot of folks I know. Um, it's also still not for everyone, and and that's uh, that is okay. But I love what yep. was presented here. And again, Andor keeps hitting themes we're so familiar with, but themes we need to hear. And if we need to approach it from a different angle, a little more grounded, whatever word you want to use to describe it, I really here for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, only other thing for me is I really enjoy the music, uh, the the mm-hmm. um, theme at the beginning changing slightly. And I thought this episode was was a little tricksy uh, because it was somber but hopeful. And I, I felt as I watched the music going like, is the heist going to work out better than I think right. it is? Because the music is making me feel like it is. <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm sure other people might read it differently, but that's the way it uh, it hit me. So I got I got suckered by skiing and I got suckered <laughs> by the opening theme music in a in a great way. Uh, I love uh, that. No, yeah, the, the music was very good. There was a lot of talk about you know the Star Wars vocabulary and changing things around, and it's different. It, it's it's not your traditional Star Wars music, and that is okay. It was really effective. It's heist spy thriller music this time out, and it worked for me too. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, any predictions or hopes for the next episode or the next arc? <sighs> All right, like. The Empire, yeah, I just, I'm just going, the Empire gets pissed, man, and the fight has to get better, uh, bigger for the Rebellion then. The, this We know it's not a totally unified coalition yet. We know that doesn't happen for a while. We know Scarif is the first big military assault. We know what's coming. But the fact that that line, that that haunting line uh, that, that Andor has, like, be careful what you wish for. And yes, there's some things maybe we've seen or, or, or can get, it's happening but again you have the isb everyone gather we're not leaving here tonight until all your plans of retaliation are in a nice uh, uh presentation form so we can choose how to strike back 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it really kind of, it was almost like compile your Empire Strikes Back files. Yes. Yes, there was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was powerful. Um, I think a couple things for me is um, I, I do hope that Cassian goes back to Ferrix because I think he he does care. And he, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if he realizes, oh, thing, things are worse than I thought, I need to use this money to get uh, Marva out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a part of me as a fan is, uh, you know, to to misquote Darth Vader, you know, where is B2 Emo? Is he safe? <laughs> is he all right? I want to know. Um I also really, I love that laugh of Luthans. It ends with a sigh. So the little bit of the weight of it mm-hmm. is, is coming in, but I'm so curious. I think he cares about Vel's life. I think he has a connection to Vel, yeah. but I'm so curious if he's hardened. Does he, does he care that other people died or is he like that? That was likely, but you made it out and the mission was a success. Does he care that right. and or didn't commit more or is he like, fine, I used him for this mission and he delivered you know, mm-hmm. how much Luthen cares and who he cares about, I'm really excited to learn more about. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the how of that. And, and yeah, uh, absolutely, because I, I believe he does, but what does he, what does he do with it? And it, it is, you know, is he a, hey, he's dead, leave him there kind of guy? Or, or and, and what's got him to that point? And, and just the fact that with, with the fight, you know, with the, the Empire striking back on uh, any level, and when I say the fight has to get bigger, this means it has to start moving up the uh, the ivory towers a little bit more and i think you know with mothman out there and everything i'm excited to see that play out yeah absolutely and, and then the final thing for me is i felt like this arc did uh, resolve the mission but it also really left this huge to be continued with with cinta right um yeah they spent some time positioning her as strong on yielding focused she's the one who without any hesitation uh, takes out uh, the the colonel mm-hmm. who's holding mm-hmm. the blaster on Nemec, um, described by Skeen as the toughest, all that stuff, and then is left behind for a reason, right? To do yeah. something. But what? I'm really excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Yes. Um, in, in full uniform and just, is it is it a slow, that's how her escape plan is supposed to be or or something else? We'll see. Uh, fascinating. We want, want more with the character. Yeah, is she there to further liberate the Donnie? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, or is it just an escape plan? Uh, Yeah, very excited for that. Yeah, yeah. All right, as we wrap up, we always like to talk about what fun merch we would want based on this episode. Uh, Ken and I are unified in our demand to be able to purchase Nemec's Manifesto at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. (laughs) What else you got, Ken? Uh, I mean, now I still want to go get some crunchies, as we know they're now called, um, (laughs) for Karn's uh, cereal, which uh, is also what most of us call our dog's food. So that's interesting. Um. Trying to think what else uh, I would want from this episode. Can, is there a way to to get like uh, the eye as a, like a art piece to hang? I, I was that. thinking like a black light poster of the Ooh, eye. Would great be call, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like as some of your friends as kids put stars on their their ceilings in their rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You turn out the light and you realize, oh wow, the eye is happening. That would yeah. be great. I love that. Uh, and then, uh, this is not shocking, I need a Dr. Quad Paw action figure. That will be an immediate purchase from me. Oh, yeah, that's a classic kind of later Kenner run. That's absolutely got to happen. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a while. I'll have to wait until probably about 2025, but uh, I <laughs> believe that Dr. Quad Paw will be my little plastic friend yeah, at some point. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we close up, Ken? No. What a what a fun episode. Uh, woof, I said fun, a tense episode, but fun to watch. Star Wars fan, I love celebrating it all. And uh, let's get going. I just every episode ends with me going. You know, I've I've been a big big proponent for week by week releases for all shows. This is the first time in my life I've been like, let's binge this. 
<laughs> let's go. Let's go. Yeah, there's something yeah. about it that's very you, you really want to know what choice they make next. And I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, but for now, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Four Center Podcast feed, and we can be found on uh, Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Check out our YouTube channel for live Q&As. You can either be a part of them or go back and watch some of the old episodes. More things on the way there. You can find us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search. You'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash four center and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center you can follow me at catnapsock go to my website catnapsock.com get ticket information for upcoming comedy shows like this weekend in la jolla california or at the end of the month in seattle joseph where can they find and follow and get all the information on you yeah you can find me on all the social media twitter instagram tiktok is at joseph scrimshaw and you can uh, check out my website josephscrimshaw.com for links to other things or you can go to youtube search for joseph scrimshaw like and subscribe as i put more things on that channel that would be great if you are interested if you want to make that choice but for now for myself for ken for luthan's jumbo holocrons this has been the andor report Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.